0: Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in.
1: But we've just begun our picnic.
0: We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide
1: waits. For no man. All right. Welcome to week four review, week five preview. This is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. My name is Jason Randaza. I'm your college football snowbird. And with me, as always, Mark Catlin, your college football townie. So every week, every week we process the highlights of the college football world, and I make Mark explain everything I don't understand. So that i feel like is an apt analogy i've been paying attention to college football only relatively recently and mark has grown up in it so he's the townie i'm the snowbird uh mark how are you doing this week doing great jason
0: yeah it's uh it's a wonderful week to process some college football for sure fall is starting to settle in up here in the dirty jurors you can it's getting colder it's rainy it's gray. Yeah. it's football time to head season. south yeah snowbird
1: all right, Mark. So I really only have <laughs> one term for you to, to define this week. What uh, could that little, be? It's a little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, the term I would like you to define is victory formation. Mm. Yeah, so the victory formation is when at the end of the game,
0: you know, when you're winning and all you need yeah. to do is run out the clock Yeah. instead of, say, running the football and fumbling it away to the other team. Snap the ball to the quarterback. The quarterback immediately takes a knee. And ends the play, okay. and the clock continues to run. And what happens is the clock runs down to zeros, and then uh-huh. the game is over, and you win because you're you have more points than the other team.
1: Well, now hang on. This is one of the more complicated things we've we've defined. I think we've processed. Perhaps. now, in this victory, you do not fumble the ball. Typically, what you want to do there
0: toward the end when you're winning is not fumble, so that you say, just hypothetically speaking, give up a game tying field goal. And then, mm-hmm. and then potentially lose in overtime. Okay. Um, so usually there's a thing called a victory formation. Most coaches know about it. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, some are unaware of this of this secret formation. But uh, we should we need to make sure that this particular podcast gets out to as many coaches as right, possible. Certainly.
1: Well, we know that Jim Harbaugh um, is listening. He hasn't <laughs> lost a game since we put him on the hot seat. Um, <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. If you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, uh, send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB or ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. Mark, let's go on to our week for most notable games and review them. Let's do it. All right. So first, let's just go ahead and talk at the top of the show here about the Alabama Texas A&M game. This was played at Tuscaloosa Alabama when we previewed it was a 27 point favorite. But by the time kickoff happened, they were like 24 and a half point favorite end of this game was alabama 45 texas a&m 23 so they did not cover the spread however they looked very impressive i got a few takeaways from this game notably it seems like alabama's pretty good but (laughs) newsflash but because nick saban basically asked the press and that's us to talk about things his team Mm -hmm. is not good at not give them rat poison Texas A&M was actually able to take advantage of a few holes uh, on, uh, on Alabama's defense. Texas A&M notably had a 99-yard drive. You know, Alabama yeah. kicked the ball off and pinned it to Texas A&M's one-yard line, and yet A&M was able to drive that ball 99 yards and score a touchdown. Additionally, Kellen Mond... Uh, not quite good enough to win, but he was able to uh, accomplish a lot. He had 5.4 yards per rushing attempt, including a, a 54-yard run and a touchdown. So Texas a quarterback is good. There's no doubt about it. But uh, with the explosive offense Alabama has this year, of course, uh, they were still able to win this game. But I, I kind of wonder if in years past that would have been the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you have something where I, I think there's plenty for Coach Saban to go back and look at and plenty for the media to write about. I mean, think, people are mm-hmm. looking for stuff because the holes that they have are not huge. You know, they're not threatening, even against a pretty good team like Texas A&M. But, yeah, I think in in past games, this is the sort of game we would have lost to a Texas A&M yeah. and Johnny Manziel, right? I mean, Kellen Mond looked not quite like – I mean, he looked like Johnny Manziel. He wasn't as good as Johnny. But, I mean, he – had a 54 yard run right up the middle, and I mean, the guy had some speed. We almost didn't catch him, he almost yeah. ran it straight into the end zone for a really long run. We did give up a 99 yard touchdown drive, he got out of the pocket a few times, etc. This is the sort of game with the mobile quarterback in the past that we could have lost if we didn't have that explosive offense that we have. And so, you know, the explosive offense makes up for that a little bit, or maybe mm-hmm. a lot. When the first place from scrimmage is a touchdown pass after your defense yeah. interceptable, yeah.
1: you know. So it, we we learned that move from uh, Ole Miss, I think, last week.
0: <laughs> That's right. Good thing we didn't go on to score zero points from only play seven. Play. Yeah, yeah, right. But you know, I, I think this is a sort of game that even if we wouldn't have lost it, it would have been a much closer game without the explosive offense that we have. The other thing is the punting wasn't great, and although that can right. seem like something small. When you're playing a good team in a tight game, punting can be a a pretty big deal. And it's something we've kind of taken for granted. J.K. Scott's been our punter for a long time, uh, and he was one of the best. He's now in the NFL punting for the Packers. Um, He was one of the best, both at directional punting, pinning people inside the 20-yard line, distance. Whatever we needed him to do, he could do. Um, And so I think that's going to be in a close game, things like not being able to contain a mobile quarterback, uh, giving up you know, over a hundred yards, if you don't count the sacks that we had, Kalenman had I think 130 yards running. Mm-hmm. Um, it, those sort of things and shanking the ball out of bounds for 20-yard punts and things like that. Those are sort of things that can make uh, a close game go against you. Uh, so I think it's something we got to sharpen up. Now at the same time, you know, like we've said, Tua has yet to even play in the fourth quarter of any game. Right. So, you know, we're scoring the 45 points or the 50 points or whatever it is in the first couple quarters. So, if two is out there the entire time, even up against a good defense, we're still going to put up 40 to
1: 50 points, I think, just about every game. All right. Let's move on. We got a lot of games to discuss. So, Arizona State at Washington. Uh, Washington a 17-point favorite. Really, the question we had about this game was whether or not Arizona State would cover, and we both said no, but Ol' Herm covered. Uh, I felt like this was one of those superhero comics where you think that Superman or someone died, but then on the cover of the next issue, you see their hand punching through the dirt. So sure, in this case, I guess you could say Herm did not beat Lex Luthor, but uh, he was crawling out of a grave, so give him, cut him some slack. I predict an undefeated season from here on out.
0: That's an amazing metaphor. <laughs> All um,
1: right. Did you have anything to say about this game? I don't really the know. The only thing I have to say is it started
0: at 10.30 Eastern time, so... Yeah, yeah, I was
1: asleep. Yeah. Next, we had number seven, Stanford, going against number 24, Oregon. So uh, Stanford was a two-point favorite. Final score of this game was 38-31 to 31 after one overtime, Stanford. So... Just for some perspective, Oregon scores on the first three possessions, and it really seemed like Stanford was outmatched. So the score was, I think, 24-7 going into the half, but it wasn't until late in the third quarter, Oregon, they look like they're about to score again, only there's a a call on the field that the touchdown that they thought they had uh, was actually out of bounds, and so they called it back, put the ball on the one-yard line, and Oregon does not convert it, and instead... After three plays, they fumble it. Stanford recovers and runs it 80 yards for a touchdown. And after this, Stanford scores on three out of four of their next possessions, including recovering another fumble with less than a minute left and capitalizing on a game-tying field goal as time runs out and sends it into overtime. And then from there, it was just a KJ Costello throw, which was actually deflected and then caught in the end zone. And that, that ends up being the, the game-winning game winning touchdown but this is kind of why we were talking about victory formation because Oregon really did not have to run the ball here
0: yeah this is I mean this was uh, one of the worst losses you'll ever see just in terms of a team utterly collapsing
1: yeah uh, but one of the best games of the the weekend I, uh, I
0: mean yeah for sure I mean but if you're an Oregon fan you got to feel sick but at the same time if you can overcome this mentally you got to feel pretty good about your team because you you got some talent I mean Justin Herbert for Oregon is is a great quarterback Um, and you can obviously play Mario Cristobal as you head in the right direction. Um, Stanford's ability to come back and not get out of it, I mean, uh, it was just, is also great, but yeah, Uh the swings throughout the game were just crazy. I mean, to think you're about, you you think you go up 31-7, right? And then all of a sudden there's a 14-point swing and they take it, fumbled back for a touchdown. Um, And then, I mean, I think mentally you kind of see what happened with Oregon with, Oregon's quarterback had two incompletions the entire game, then in overtime alone had four incompletions, and so it was just they were just kind of like they just didn't know what to do at the end. But yeah, you know I think rightfully so Mario Cristobal, the head coach of Oregon, is getting flack for not just taking a knee at the end. Um, Sure. I also think uh, the player should take a little flack. You don't need to extend the ball. There's no like, there's no reason. Just go down. <laughs> just hit the pot. like. What are you extending for? The only thing that can possibly happen that is something that's bad, and that's exactly what happened. And that's fumble the football because you know that's what they're going to be going for as well. They're not trying to keep you from getting a first down. <laughs> they want the football because it's right. the only way that they're going to win. And so it was just all around kind of uh, bonehead, boneheaded calls and plays. But um, credit to Stanford, they took advantage of it and ended up winning the game. So, well, maybe
1: this is one of those times where, you know, playing for all 60 minutes is actually a bad piece of advice because <laughs> they were really trying there with 26 or, seconds to or, go. Or playing
0: for 60 minutes. It could be just keep mental focus for 60 minutes. <laughs> be, be aware of the situation. You don't need to try to fight for extra yards and reach out and get a first down with 20-whatever seconds left. Um, but... You know, again, the player's not in the situation if Mario Cristobal calls victory formation and just take a knee and you're out of there. Yeah, You could fumble the snap, but you're increasing your risk if you run the football.
1: It may be that uh, Mario Cristobal was actually playing like a long game. He's like, you know what? I'm going to lose this game ranked 24th, but that's okay. By next week, I'll be ranked 19th. They jumped up five spots after losing this game. I've never seen it happen before. Not he's like that. A,
0: he's a genius. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, now we should talk a little bit about Wisconsin playing at Iowa. They were field goal favorites. Final score here, 28-17 to 17, Wisconsin. The score was 17-14 to 14, with one minute left in the first quarter. Iowa leading, um, and they were leading from the end of the third quarter until – one minute left. So Wisconsin scores a touchdown with a deep ball to A.J. Taylor, apparently the other Taylor on Wisconsin. Uh, It's like 57 seconds left. And then on the next drive, Iowa quickly throws an interception. And then Wisconsin, I guess just to prove that they are, in fact, more than field goal favorites or something, Um, I don't really understand it because Iowa had like one timeout left and they could have just gone to victory formation and won the game, but no. No. Uh, they ran the ball and got another touchdown. Uh, So the final score, yeah, 28-17, Wisconsin won. Uh, It was a really curious game. It was, I think, 7-7 at the half. This was a little bit the opposite of the Stanford-Oregon game. Not uh, so back and forth, uh, not a whole lot of scoring. It was a pretty tough game to watch. Speaking of tough games to watch, Army playing against Oklahoma... This was a tough game to watch because it was a $54.99 pay-per-view game on some weird proprietary Oklahoma network <laughs> that apparently shows one football game a year and, like, Oklahoma gymnastics. So you really have to be a die-hard sooner uh, to shell out $55 to see this game. I didn't see a single down. But the important takeaways here is that it was – it was Army leading uh, and then I think it was tied 21-21, which ended up sending it into overtime uh, where Oklahoma made short work of Army and decided just to wrap things up. So the final score was 28-21 Oklahoma, but they almost didn't win it. Uh, the, the upset alerts were all over my phone, all over ESPN, but no one had a feed of the game, of course, because it was on pay-per-view.
0: This, I mean, this is one of those things where I mean, the triple option—if you don't defend it well, then you can lose to an inferior team for sure. And so you always yeah. have to be careful when you play a team that you know runs a triple option as well
1: as Army or a team like Navy can.
0: And and one thing I read the t- that these... the time of possession is what ends yes, up killing
1: completely you. lopsided. I think Army yeah. had the ball for something like 45 minutes of this game. It was it's... insane. So they basically pull ahead and they just hold the ball. And to these long plotting drives so that uh, you have no chance to score. And that's kind of what Oklahoma does.
0: And so, uh, I mean, Oklahoma was just, they only had a handful of possessions the the entire game. Uh, I mean, I think they might've scored on maybe all of them or close to all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, uh, that's the way it goes. An army had the perfect game plan to try to slow down and play to their strengths uh, and keep Oklahoma's strength off the field. And so, I mean, kudos to Army. It's at Norman sure. to go to Oklahoma, uh, run the triple option basically to perfection and almost pull off the win. I mean, at the end of the game, they were actually driving to, and they were in Oklahoma territory and threw an interception. Uh, and so they they almost won it there at the end. So um, great job by Army. Oklahoma escapes, and and we see another team that I mean I, I thought was and maybe they still are at the top really struggle mm-hmm. against an inferior opponent, so college football is interesting.
1: Yes, sir. Speaking of interesting things in college football, another game we did not preview, Kentucky-Mississippi State. Mississippi mm-hmm. State comes into this game ranked number 14. Kentucky, of course, being Kentucky, is unranked, and yet they win this game 28-7. to This means two things. Kentucky is still undefeated through four games, and ranked. They're ranked number 17. So really when looking at this, you see that Kentucky's a little bit one-dimensional. What they're accomplishing, they're, they're managing to do by running the ball. Uh, they seem to have a top-notch quarterback, uh, Benny Snell Jr. Uh, he was responsible for half of Kentucky's production and all of their touchdowns. Uh, still, looking ahead, if a team like Mississippi State can't stop them, you wonder how many teams on their schedule will be able to to stop the run aside from Georgia, uh, and, I, and I think not many. So Kentucky is almost certainly going to a bowl game and maybe a pretty good one. Poor Mississippi State, but uh, it, it makes me think that uh, they might be a much easier game for Alabama.
0: Well, you know, and I don't know. I mean, Kentucky uh, has, you know, they beat Florida. Um, mm-hmm. Now they've beaten Mississippi State. And so, I mean, those are two pretty quality wins. I mean, even if, it, even if Florida's not as good as they have been, Mentally, for Kentucky to kind of overcome that 31-year losing streak against a team to win, you have to be really good. And then to beat a team like Mississippi State, which a lot of people think, or maybe they thought, maybe they still think, would challenge Alabama in the West. I mean, and not just like barely win and not be a fluke thing, but take care of it pretty easily. Kentucky might be for real. I mean, I Kentucky could be uh,
1: the second best team in the East. Wow. That's something to consider. Is it possible, though, you know what, why don't we just continue the the superhero analogies? Is it possible that Kentucky has super strength against Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen-recruited teams?
0: That could be it. Dan Mullen's kryptonite is Kentucky. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, that's just, I guess, me trying to dismiss Kentucky. uh, Because they are a basketball school and they need to stay in their lane. But we'll see. Maybe maybe Alabama will wind up playing them in the SEC championship.
0: And just a quick correction. Benny Snell Jr. is a running back. I
1: think he said he was a quarterback. I wrote running back, but I probably did say quarterback. All righty. Benny Snell Jr., running back. Got him. All right. Last game that we did not preview, but we're going to review. Virginia Tech at... <laughs> at... Old Dominion, final score here, 49-35, to Old Dominion. This game was played at Old Dominion, which is, uh, I learned, also somewhere in Virginia. Uh, I give the Hokies some credit for going to a much smaller school to play, uh, but they gave them a win. This was Old Dominion's first win of the season, and I think first ever win over a Power 5 team, Um, so kudos to them. Uh, FSU now has some interesting transitive losses to uh Liberty and Charlotte. Um but uh I guess I guess the ACC is just looking a little rough right now.
0: Uh the ACC looks pretty terrible. Uh yeah, Liberty beat Old Dominion 52 to 10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um now that was on the road. Yeah, sure. So, well, that made so all the difference, out. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Playing at home usually accounts for 46 or 47 points. Yeah, you never go. So. Uh,
0: yeah, you just don't go into the Monarchs' house and beat them, you know? Yeah, this is totally embarrassing for Virginia Tech. It's embarrassing for the ACC, especially maybe Florida State. But Sure. I mean, this is, this is pretty shocking. And, you know, the ACC, I think, has been trying to put themselves out there as the conference to challenge the SEC, and they should mm-hmm. no longer do that. Um, well,
1: not this year. It um, just means and, less
0: there. And so who? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So it will be interesting. I mean, who who is there to really challenge Clemson in the ACC now? It,
1: it appears to be. I no do one not there. know. Yeah. I do not know. All right, that is all of our review games. Uh, now we're going to overreact, but just a little, because we do have a number of uh, ranked versus ranked games. Just a preview. So, I'm going to put some teams on a win watch, which is kind of like a death watch, only not quite as morbid. Um, although, uh, I don't know. I, I heard that they were thinking about maybe killing the the Kansas football team just because of how historically bad it's been. But these two teams that I'm putting on a win watch are now two wins behind Kansas. So, uh, who knows? So, the first team is Nebraska still winless through three, uh, capping it off with this weekend's 56-10 to 10 loss to Michigan. Worst loss in half a century. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage everyone to go and check it out. Uh, the Wendy's corporate Twitter account was trolling Nebraska fans, which actually, actually... Actually, is a reminder to Nebraska fans that they're still further to fall at the point when you're being trolled by say like subway's corporate account uh you will really have reached rock bottom, but I don't know. Nebraska plays Purdue on Saturday. Do they win no, no. <laughs> um,
0: no. Nebraska is uh, i think starting o and three it's the first time they've started o and three in seventy three years Good so night. so maybe they've been bad the past few years, but this is actually historically terrible for nebraska's program um and and not not just collectively but also in individual games as you noted uh one of the worst losses uh in a while against michigan so uh no i mean purdue has given a couple teams a pretty good game and so i i don't think that they win Uh, i don't you know it's hard to see who they're gonna beat yeah their first game got canceled which I think was a Cupcake and so that's yeah. that's now not there to just give them, so, just give <laughs> them something something in the win column. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see Nebraska's probably headed toward an historically bad season for a program with a rich rich tradition of winning. Um, mm-hmm. so this is it's pretty sad to watch and, and I hope I mean I genuinely hope Scott Frost turns it around but this is about as terrible of a start as you can imagine. For mm-hmm. a guy who played quarterback in Nebraska came back after having an undefeated season in an alleged national championship at u c f and now here here he is at Nebraska, and he went from being undefeated to being winless.
1: What makes it worse, I think, is that uh u c f just continues continues their streak uh of of winning without him, so maybe he wasn't the the magic piece there all along. I don't know, I don't think they win either they're they're going to lose to purdue. Uh, it's,
0: but it's, I mean that is definitely something to continue to watch though. Mm-hmm. Just what does Nebraska look like? I mean, you know, Scott Frost is telling guys they can leave the program. So <laughs> he's did we to, find
1: out if they did before this game? Because uh, that they, they might account for some of those goals. They,
0: they might have. But with that happening, it's pretty tough to be in third game, and that's what's going on. So I think he sees he sees this as a completely or a complete rebuilding project. Yeah. Um. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think the only way to get out of it is you do some pretty incredible recruiting yeah. and maybe just like go to guys and be like, hey, you're a five-star. If you want to immediately play, we got a spot for you. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But do they win this weekend?
1: No. No. Next, let's talk UCLA, also winless. But they had the week off. But they're 0 and 3 as well. And this week they're playing Colorado. Will they win?
0: No. No. Th- these are two, the two coach hires, coaching hires that were high
1: profile, considered yeah. really good hires, both starting 0 and 3.
0: I-, I think most people thought okay, it'll take Chip Kelly a while to build at UCLA because he has a particular offense and he needs like a, a certain skill set, players with certain skill sets, and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, they're not even coming close (laughs) in these games. And, you know, the Golden Boy is supposed to go back to Nebraska and be the savior there. I mean, it's a pretty sad outlook for both of these programs. And so it's interesting to see what we thought would be the best coaching hires. Maybe they will be three to five years down the road, but I don't think anybody imagined this for either one of these teams.
1: I certainly did not. Now let's go ahead and preview some games.
0: Let's do it. It's going to be a whole day of team sports and beer.
1: Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. Week five most notable games to preview. First up, we have number seven, Stanford, going to number eight, ranked Notre Dame. Notre Dame, a five-point favorite. Tell me who you think is going to just win this game outright.
0: Yeah, I think Notre Dame will win the game. Yeah, Especially, I think, it being at Notre Dame kind of tips the scales a little bit. But, you know, to me, when I look at this game, what jumps off the page is you have Stanford at 7, Notre Dame at 8. And yet, when I look at the games that they've played, they've both seemed extremely average. Mm-hmm. And to me, that this is one of the biggest signs that this year college football is extremely top-heavy. It's kind of mm-hmm. the top three, four, maybe five, and then everybody else is kind of in the same bucket. They're all just pretty average teams. Um, and so I look at this game and I'm like, man, this is really hard to predict what's going to happen because they're both pretty average teams, but they're also, it seems like this should be a heavyweight matchup of a top 10 matchup. And yet it just seems like Mm -hmm. maybe it's normally these, these teams would be like 23 versus 24. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of a weird feeling, but, um, I think Notre Dame will win. Uh, they're playing at home. I think the quarterback change for Notre Dame is meaningful. Um, and so I think they'll they'll end up pulling it out. They'll have some better play at quarterback, and uh, they'll win at home, get a big win against Stanford.
1: All right. What's your score you have on this one?
0: I think it'll be pretty low
1: scoring. Uh, I think
0: I'll go 24-21 Notre Dame.
1: All right. I just always think that Notre Dame is overrated, so I'm going to say 28-21. Stanford. nice I like that We have yet another top 10 matchup Ohio State is going To Happy Valley To play against Penn State Ohio State is A three and a half point favorite which actually Seems a little low to me but I think that uh, Yeah Happy Valley might be a difficult place to play I don't know Beaver Stadium I mean uh, it is
0: and yeah I mean uh, They'll probably have a whiteout or something It'll be cool I'd love to be able to get down to a wideout. That would be less like mm-hmm. a bucket list type thing. But, yeah, three-and-a-half seems low to me as well. I, again, like Penn State, seeing what they've done, and yet they're ranked number nine, is like, really? Are they the ninth best team in the country? I think Ohio State's one of those teams that could be an excellent football team. Um, and so I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think they cover, I think they win something like 31-20.
1: All right. I actually have it a little closer than that. I'm going to say 35-31. Next, now, if you were to give me, at the beginning of the season, the ranked matchups for Week 5, and you told me that BYU was playing Washington and that was a ranked-against-ranked matchup, I would have been very, very surprised um, because uh, it wasn't too long ago that we put the entire state of Utah football on the struggle bus. But uh, BYU, here you are, ranked number twenty, <laughs> playing against number eleven, Washington. Washington, however, uh, is a seventeen and a half point favorite. What do you think?
0: I mean, if you look, if you just, yeah, if you just said BYU, at Washington, I'd go Washington. But Washington lost to Auburn. They've mm-hmm. now struggled against Arizona State, um, uh, and BYU went to Wisconsin and got a win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Washington's gonna win, but seventeen and a half—is that really the the spread? That's there? what it said. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take Washington and and closer than the experts think. Um, so I'll take Washington twenty-one seventeen.
1: Yeah, I have Washington twenty to ten. All right. Uh, then we have West Virginia going to Texas Tech. Another three-and-a-half-point uh, line with West Virginia being favored. Uh, West Virginia is currently ranked number 12. Texas Tech sneaking in the rankings there at the bottom at number 25. Um, West Virginia looks pretty good this year. Will Greer's their quarterback. He seems to have kind of hit his stride. Um, I think this is maybe a high-scoring matchup uh yeah but I, i'm gonna say 42 35 west virginia
0: yeah i'm gonna go something like 41 not 41 52 sorry 52 42 west virginia um and i don't i can't imagine it being three and a half points difference uh, texas, no. texas tech they lost to Ole miss at the beginning of the season right <laughs> did they
1: and yet they still managed to make it back in the rankings yeah amazing uh yeah that's yeah west virginia is going to win that game all right then we have again as i said number 19 ranked oregon climbing in the rankings after a loss playing against cal who is number 24 uh oregon is a field goal favorite here
0: yeah i'll take oregon um uh it'll it'll be a tough game Uh, i'm tempted not to take them because they might have an emotional hangover from a horrible (laughs) loss uh, that they totally blew but i think they also might come out fired up ready to show that that's not who they are and man they got a ton of talent so um yeah i'm gonna take oregon i'll take them uh 38 28
1: yeah i have this game 35 14 oregon uh, I think that they're able to contain Cal a little bit better than they're able to contain Stanford. Next, this is not a ranked against ranked matchup, but I thought I would mention it just for uh, historical re- relevance. Syracuse is playing at Clemson. Clemson is a 23.5-point favorite, and the, the history here is that basically Clemson lost this game last year. Now, I believe it was a game in which Kelly Bryant or yeah he got, uh, got injured. So, uh, that played into it a little bit, but, uh, how, how do you think this, this game is going to play out? Uh, I mean, I think Syracuse, but, remember, <laughs> beat FSU by 23 points.
0: Yeah. I mean, at Syracuse, it looks like they're better than they usually are, but I, I don't see them going into Clemson and winning that game. One, because of what happened last year. Two, they're not sneaking up on anybody this year. They've shown that they can play, um, And then three, Clemson's decided on a quarterback. They're going to start their their freshman quarterback. And so I think that will bring some stability to the offense. He can throw the ball around. Uh, I think Clemson will win. I don't know if they'll cover 23.5, but um, I think they'll win pretty close to that, maybe 42-21.
1: All right, I have 28-20 on this game. I think that uh, Syracuse does manage to make a few things happen, uh, but Clemson does enough to win. I think it would be really
0: interesting. (laughs) If Syracuse can do that, then uh, I think they're a pretty legit team to do that at Clemson.
1: Yep. All right, Um, those are most of the games we have to preview. As far as our Alabama teams, we have UAB back this week after a bye playing against Charlotte, a team that beat uh, the recently – rising old dominion uh then we have alabama playing at louisiana lafayette alabama is a seven touchdown favorite in that game um auburn playing uh southern Miss. i believe they're 27 point favorite there um and yeah that's all the games i have to to preview mark anything else you want to talk about
0: no i think the i mean the only thing i'll mention here with uh, i think the interesting thing will be does Alabama cover against Louisiana Lafayette? That is an
1: absurd number um, of points. It's actually like 48 and a half, so it's not quite seven touchdowns, but still.
0: <laughs> Just that, You know, that a missed extra point could cost it. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I think, because you know, last week I said Alabama would win and they would cover. Uh, you said they would win and not cover, and you were right. I, I was right. I've thought about this. And I think, basically, I need to decide, okay, Tua's going to come out toward the end of the second quarter or midway through the third quarter in every game. Mm-hmm. So the only question about whether or not is going to cover is can Jalen continue to run the offense against Team X and score points in the way that Tua did. So Texas A&M, that wasn't going to happen, right, because Jalen's not quite the scoring QB that Tua is. But against Louisiana Lafayette, Jalen's gonna. Jalen might start the game. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, It just doesn't matter. But he's gonna come in, and they're gonna continue to score points with Jalen as a backup. And so I think they end up covering the forty-eight and a half point spread, Um, because our backup quarterback was twenty-six and two as a starter. You know, like our backup quarterback isn't a normal backup. So, so that, I think that that's isn't... that's the sort of question that that I've decided. This is how I'm going to think through whether or not Alabama covers is when Tua comes mm-hmm. out. Right. At what rate do we continue to score with Jalen?
1: Yeah. So that that actually is an interesting question here because we had talked previously about how Jalen was probably going to play for four games and then redshirt so he could maintain a, another year of eligibility. But Nick Saban came out last week or the week before and basically said that they anticipated needing Jalen in every single game. Uh, so that has happened so far. So this is kind of the the, the decision point. If Jalen plays this game, then his eligibility is... I mean, he might as well play every game um, because he can't he can't bank that eligibility.
0: I mean, I think he is. And, you know, the assumption... Uh, Gary Danielson on the... Uh, on the call on saturday was saying something i I pretty much agree with i think at this point with Jalen, and that is we all assumed he would want an extra year of eligibility but that means he's not getting coached up as much he's not gaining a year of experience with a really good team Mm -hmm. with teammates that he likes and with really good coaching and gary dan said look he's trying to take this year to really develop as a quarterback and not just wait till next year where maybe he's at a, a not as Um, good of a program even with the coaches that he has. And so I think he's going to take this year and take his opportunities and try to get in the game um, when he can so that he can continue to gain experience and get coached and become a better quarterback so that whenever he does transfer uh, after he graduates in December, he'll be that much better for that team. Um, And maybe even ends up sticking around at Alabama, which would be strange. Mm But you know, I think the other thing that we see with this four game thing is there's a couple of players at Auburn and maybe it's happened to other schools. Just happened. I just happened to know it because it's at Auburn, but that now I've transferred in the middle of the season because they don't want to lose a year of eligibility and they sure. not get, they're not getting the playing time that they want. Perhaps an unintended consequence of this thing, but maybe one of the effects that we're going to see down the road is that if you're, you know, a freshman, sophomore, junior, whatever, and you're not seeing the playing time that you want, if you have played in four games and it looks like you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna get maybe a couple snaps or maybe not get in the game at all, and you don't see that you have a future at that program, you might transfer mm-hmm. um, <laughs> rather than just sitting on the bench for the rest of the season. Go ahead and transfer to another school. Uh, you can't play immediately, but you can play the next year, um, sure. and you could still have your eligibility from the previous year. So it'll be interesting to see how that rule kind of. Not only you know Jalen is a is a unique case, I think, but with other players, how does it end up playing out with when they transfer, if they stay, all this sort of thing? So we're starting sure. to begin to see like what effect this is actually going to have.
1: All right. For me, I, I don't know if I see the seven touchdowns. And frankly, I think Mac Jones plays for a full quarter, um, but but we will see. Uh, so I think that's it for us this week. Again, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and probably a bunch of other places I've never heard of. Please rate and review us wherever you do find us. It really does help with our rankings. Uh, More people can discover the show. Um, I think that's it for us at Processing College Football. Mark, I will catch you next week.